The following is a For Vengeance Media production. is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing. Huge goal. And the freedom to choose is gaining momentum. Through it all, players are better than ever at all levels. From youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level, the game is reaching new heights. Presented by Four Vengeance Media. This is Game Changers, the home of hockey. On Silent Ice TV. Game Changers here on Silent Ice TV. Very glad to have you aboard. My name is Dean Millard, and it is my pleasure to be your host for today as the Leafs are falling, and I'm not talking about Toronto, but the air is crisp. Hockey is has been in the air for a while, but almost everybody is underway, and already... There's already some panic at the disco for some fan bases. Meanwhile, junior teams are busy adjusting their rosters as pro teams send players back. And youth clubs are getting set uh, for some of the first road trips and tournaments of the season. We are into the middle of October, and man, it is uh, certainly an exciting time. If you're a hockey fan, a hockey parent, or a hockey player, uh, for that matter, we got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, really excited to talk to all three of our guests uh, about uh, their specific role in the game of hockey. Curtis Frazier had 334 professional games under his belt. Now he is coaching the next generation with Langley Hockey Academy in the JPHL and certainly has a number of great players and one exceptional player. Uh, that is getting a lot of discussion when it comes to the 2025 WHL draft. Mike Frazier will be one of those guys selecting players, helping to select players for the Everett Silvertips. He is their assistant GM, has had a long, successful career in the game of hockey, formerly with the Brandon Wheat Kings when they won a WHL championship, and now helping the tips out west. And Tyrell Spitzer is the vice president of Silent Eye Sports and Entertainment. The Challenge Cup starts this weekend. It is a fantastic event at the youth hockey level, and uh, we will discuss it all when uh, Tyrell joins us on the program. So let's get into it. First of all, our first guest is Mike Frazier. He is the assistant GM for the Everett Silvertips, and he is going to join us to talk about scouting in the Western Hockey League and more. 
Mike, uh, great to have you on the show. It was good to see you uh, over the weekend out in the rinks, as uh, I see you quite often out in the rinks, uh, the busy life of a, uh, a hockey scout and a man involved in uh, junior hockey. Uh, so thanks very much for joining us on the show. And maybe just give us a little bit of uh, your hockey background that has led you to become uh, the assistant GM in Everett. I know uh, we, we share a same uh, hometown and a same uh, minor hockey system that we uh, grew up playing with a few years apart, but how did you end up in Everett? How did you get into uh, the scouting business? Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of a, I get asked that a lot, how you, how you get into it and that type of thing. It really was a fluke for me. Um, you know, I grew up in Brandon, uh, played all my minor hockey there, uh, played some junior A in Dauphin and, and Victoria, uh, and then got a scholarship to a school. Uh, I own a college, which unfortunately doesn't have hockey anymore. But uh, they they were, um, or sorry, after after Iona, I ended up getting into coaching. Uh, did two years of coaching uh, while I was kind of starting my uh, my media background in journalism. So there was there was a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot going on in my life right out of college. It was uh, it, it was great to stay involved right away, but also pretty hectic. Uh, I ended up being an assistant coach. Uh, with Del Pedrick, uh, mm. who's right now with, with the Brandon Weekings. Uh, at the time, he was uh, the head coach in in Swan River uh, in the Manitoba Junior League. So I ended up doing that for a couple of years, and and in that time, that was also my first newspaper job. So um, I was kind of juggling both of those things, and then uh, ended up getting a newspaper job in Brandon two years later. That's going back to about 2005, um, and really. To answer your question, um, in that time where I was moving from Swan River back to Brandon, uh, the general manager in, in Swan River at the time is Leonard Stramberg. He, he bumped into a guy that worked for, for Swift Current and uh, just happened to get talking and, and mentioned that I was moving and, you know, he I was leaving Swan River, moving to Brandon. And they said, well, we actually need a scout there. So that's really how I got into it, kind of a fluke. Um, and now here we are almost 20 years later. And I, I think this is my 19th year doing this. So um, it's been kind of a wild ride, but uh, I've met some pretty, pretty awesome people along the way too. You know, and it's, it's amazing the amount of people that uh, uh, get involved in hockey, whether it's, you know, Mike Civic and refereeing who, you know, just started out doing it or Derek Zalaski, who I talked to last week, uh, you know, got into refing and, and, and made a career out of it. Uh, sometimes you don't always know what's happening. And you bring up Dal Pedrick. He was coaching the Southwest Cougars when I was in CKX. Uh, and so it goes back uh, a, a long ways with, with hockey people and good to see that Dell is, is uh, behind the, the Wheat King bench. So um, in, in a lot of your duties, it's probably changed a lot. Now you're the assistant GM in Everett. So what does a typical week look like for you uh, as far as, you know, visiting rinks or, or different duties that you have? Yeah, that's a good question. It's uh, I'm not sure that there is such a thing as a typical week, but it's, you know, obviously uh, everybody knows the rink visits and everything like that. Um, there is a lot of, a little bit of paperwork and stuff like that behind the scenes. You know, with with my boss Dennis Williams, he's both the head coach and GM. So some of those GM type duties he he passes along to me, which is completely fine because it helps me learn. Uh, you know, and and I've definitely found out here in the last couple of years, there's a lot more little paperwork things that I wasn't aware of um, that I now know or or I'm still learning as we speak. So 
Um, but really for the most part, like even, you know, this past weekend, you know, I watched games for four days there, took a lot of notes, uh, really been doing a lot of reports here over the last couple of days. I try to stay as caught up on reports as you can, because uh, in this business, if you start to get behind, it gets really tough to get caught up. So um, I try to try to stay as caught up as I can. Sometimes it's uh, easier than other times, but um, for the most part, that's usually when I'm spending kind of my Mondays and Tuesdays doing and, and anything that comes up, you know, from a team standpoint, I, I guess to answer your question in terms of the differences, um, you know, in Swift Current, I was more, more so a regional guy. I didn't leave, you know, at the time I was in Brandon, I didn't leave Brandon or maybe Winnipeg all, all that much. Uh, started to get a little more into a travel role towards the end. And then when I moved on to uh, to work for Brandon was the same time I moved to Edmonton, which was uh, uh, 11 years ago now. So, and it was more of a, a little more of an advanced role where I was going to some of the bigger tournaments, you know, all over, all over Western Canada. Um, and then Everett hired me as their head scout in 2018. Uh, and I've kind of progressed from there uh, to assistant GM. So um, I'm a little more involved now, I guess you could say in our current roster, not just you know, not just the prospects and the draft and that type of thing, but, uh, you know, from the scouting side, it's, it's basically the same. I, you know, I'm still in charge of the, of the prospects draft. Um, we, we actually did have some discussion about me, me trying to maybe move a little bit closer to Everett as I'm still in Edmonton right now, but as, as long as I'm running the draft and doing the, the prospect type stuff, it actually probably makes more sense to stay you know, I'm one of the major centers in Western Canada and, and it's worked out really well that way. Well, without giving away uh, secrets, can you give us a little bit of a, you know, maybe either a personal philosophy that you have when it comes to scouting or something that, you know, Everett likes to, uh, to, to go with um, again, I don't, I don't, I'm not expecting state secrets here, but just, just <laughs> something that maybe you've learned or, or that you like to use, uh, you know, when you are, at, and, you know, whether it's evaluating a talent or discussing a player or, or even at the draft table. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting even working with three different teams over the years. I mean, the game's changed even in the time I've been involved. Um, but even just to hear and see different philosophies, uh, you know, team by team or even, you know, more specifically head scout by head scout. Um, you know, I, I think in Everett, it's uh, I was a little bit fortunate coming from Brandon to Everett at the time. And Brandon, uh, you know, Grant Armstrong was the general manager there. Um and they actually, uh, when I moved to Everett and, and joined with Gary Davidson and his group, they kind of had a similar way to rate players, uh, which was, you know, an easy transition for me. Uh, and, you know, I, I think really for the most part, I, I don't know that there's any huge secrets. Uh, maybe some would disagree with that, but I actually had a conversation with one of the young players on the weekend here and, and good for him for coming up. And he was just really curious. And, and he asked me, you know, what do you look for? And, uh, you know, that takes a lot of guts for a 14 year old to come up to a scout that he's never met, never seen before. And, right. and was very polite. And, and, and I just said, probably all the things that you think I look for. And, but then I kind of took it a little step further. I said, you know, obviously skating and your puck skills and your, and your, the way you think the game and that type of thing. But then I said, but we're also watching, you know, what happens when the whistle goes, like what, what's your body language? Like, what do you like with interacting with your coaches and your teammates? Um, 
you know, once once we get later on to the season, what it what do you what do you like off the ice when you're when you're around the rink? Are you you know are you are you a leader? You know, a vocal, all those types of things. So is it there's a lot that goes into it, but in the same breath, I and I I stress this to our scouting staff, I don't want to make it too complicated. Like I think in the end, you're trying to find talent uh, and skill. And as cliche as it sounds, that's that's probably the hardest thing to find. So um, I would probably say that maybe Everett isn't quite as worried about the size that some other teams are. Um, but in the same breath, you know, like we realized like last year, we were probably a little too small to be to be straight up honest with you. So, you know, you kind of have to find that balance. Um, but really, first and foremost, I, I really think we really want to nail down the skill um, and the talent and, and really before we get into some of the other, you know, whether it's size or some of the other intangibles, uh, we just want to get that talent figured out before anything else. Uh, well, you were at uh, a showcase on the weekend where I uh, ran into you at uh, the Silent Ice Centre for the JPHL. What uh, What is your, uh, I guess, first of all, what did, what did you think of the event? Uh, it was a massive showcase with 56 games over the weekend. Uh, is that perfect for scouts when you can kind of get one-stop shopping at an event like that? Yeah, it's great for, I mean, it, it is a lot for sure, but I mean, I mean, how do you complain? You've got all, all the teams. I mean, selfishly for me, it's eight minutes from home. So <laughs> it works out. You know, that doesn't happen very often for me throughout the season. So, um, you know, that brand new facility, there's obviously kind of a, in a nice location for me specifically. But but it's nice to have all, all those age groups there. You know, you can kind of uh, start identifying the the 09s for, for this, this draft and then also you know, follow up with uh, in the, that U17 and U18 age group and, and some of those players that, you know, some of them were drafted, some of them weren't. Like it's it's such a good opportunity to to follow up with them and see where they're at, see what kind of work they put in in the summer um, and, and you know, keep your database up to date on, on reports. And, and uh, you know, we, we had one player playing in the, in the U18 uh, 18 event as well, and I hadn't seen him since he was at training camp. So I got to follow up with him as well so all having all those age groups there is great over the blue line a lot of work but it's uh it's a great great opportunity to see a lot of hockey and 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 a bonus that i got to sleep in my own bed the whole weekend yeah no kidding uh i'm starting to learn uh that that doesn't happen a whole lot in the uh in this sort of uh, hockey world Uh, but you kind of mentioned that uh um, the facility um, and and the from a facility standpoint, uh, as far as youth hockey, you know, you and I grew up playing in, uh, in in Brandon a little bit. This is a far cry from the Kinsman or the Barn or some of these things. And the hockey, uh, uh, you know, I look at the hockey now and think I I couldn't have played at, at against these guys. The skill is incredible. I mean, it's just the game uh, as we've talked about has changed so much uh, over the years um, and. For a while, it was Coke machines that everybody wanted, and now uh, we're we're sort of getting back to that skill. And I think the kids are seeing that skill. Uh, are you seeing uh, more and more skill every year with these kids? Well, there's there's certainly more and more options for them, um, and and I think you know uh, whether it's a JPHL or or any anywhere else, like the the emphasis seems like it's on skill, and that's what it, in my opinion, that's what it needs to be on. 
Um, cause like I said before, in your previous question there, like that's the hardest thing to find, like the hardest thing to find is talent. So, um, you know, that it, it's kind of crazy how I mentioned earlier, how much it's changed. Like there's, there are a lot of options for them, which I think has its pros and cons to be straight up honest with you. But mm -hmm. I also feel like we're, we're right in the middle. And I've said this to a couple of guys around the league. I said, I feel like we're right in the middle of a transition period in minor hockey. Um, I'm not really sure how, how it all plays out in the end, but it's, it's an exciting time just to see, you know, like even the JPHL event here this past weekend, like that league has grown leaps and bounds in a, in a very short amount of time. So, um, and, and like you mentioned, when you have facilities like that, um, that pop up, you know, that sounds like it's kind of almost their home base a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's a great recruiting tool for them. And, and obviously the coaches and the people, uh, development coaches that they've, they bring in with all those teams, uh, it's definitely headed in the right direction. And, and, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, how this plays out here over the next, I don't know, three, five years. Yeah, I think the, the, the choices are just forcing every league to say, we've got to be better. We've got to, you know, develop better. We've got to provide better options. It's, it's making everybody force their game to be top-notch because now you have one more league as the recruiting in the second season. And, you know, I, I remember Brent Sutter saying this when he coached in North Dakota and coming back and saying, this is why we're losing players to the NCAA in, in WHLs because that facility was so great and we have to do more. We have to work harder and every league now at the youth level has to work harder and choices are great, but it does mean important conversations. And, you know, th th these are conversations that these families have to uh, have to have and, and should be having. And, and I think it was incredible to go back to that story about a young kid to come up and ask you that that does take a lot of guts because sometimes there's even parents that, that are, don't even want to ask those questions. So the more conversations about choices and getting all the information, the better off everybody is. Well, and I think to your point too, when you look at even specifically the, the choice of, you know, whether it's the Western league or, or NCAA or whatever you want to look at for, for your route. Um, like our, our job has changed a lot uh, in, in the sense that we, we pretty much, it's not just, okay, we drafted the kids and now they should come to us. That's not really how it works anymore. <laughs> you have right. to, you have to put the time in to recruit them. They have, they have other options, um, you know, and they have lots of uh, people giving them information, whether it's their parents, their coaches, agents, advisors, uh, all that. Um, so it, it's obviously a lot and, and it's a lot of information, but it's also important um, for, for the families and for the players themselves to, to, look into their options and, uh, you know, understand them. So it's, it's changed a lot for us and, and, and not just assuming, uh, you know, being maybe even somewhat ignorant in the past is just that they would come, come to the Western league. Like you actually, you have to put the effort in, uh, to recruit them and, and sell your program and, and show them, you know, like for us specifically what the Everett Silver Tips bring to the table. So, um, it's, it's changed a lot. Uh, like I said, even since I started, 19 years ago. Well, and, and changed for good because as you said, everybody has to improve and um, you know, the, the, that's good for the entire game as for advice. And I'm sure you get this uh, question as well, but how about some advice for somebody, you know, when you look back, you kind of got into it in a, in a different way. If somebody is thinking, 
I'd really like to get into scouting. What would you tell them? Uh, what's the, you know, the, the first thing that they should be looking at doing if they're either brand new or would like to get into it? Well, the biggest thing I say this to everyone, um, and usually, you know, after the draft is done in May, I start getting the, the calls and the texts and the emails, you know, you know, if anybody looking and, and it's not, you know, it seems it's sort of an odd business to get into. I don't know that there's, well, I know that there's not one route or, you know, a specific way, but the one piece of advice I always give to, to aspiring scouts is as obvious as it sounds is go to the rink. Um, you know, like I, even, even in my time in Edmonton, I've seen guys here that, you know, they didn't work for anybody. They didn't, they, they just wanted to learn and they wanted to try and go out on their own and figure out players and evaluate like, and, and it's not easy. There are a lot of tools for sure you can use online. And, and I certainly tell, you know, the, the guys that I see around here specifically, like use me. And if you have questions, uh, I don't mind talking to you about, you know, how we do things, uh, you know, my story, <laughs> not that my story is real exciting, but um, you know, I, you want to keep people involved in the game. And I, and I think getting to the rink is so important because then you just, you're visible. So, mm-hmm. you know, the guys, the Edmonton area scouts, they all see him. Oh, there's, there's so-and-so, you know, oh, there he is again there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and that just kind of sticks in your mind. Um, you know, and there'll, there'll probably be coming, come a time where I want to hire somebody in Edmonton and I'm going to immediately think of those guys that, you know, that I see all the time that, that I know put the work in, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that kind of did the, uh, ISS thing for a few years, which I know mm-hmm. was a good experience for them. Uh, you know, all those independent scouting services, uh, neutral zone. I think they have a couple guys in this area now, like any, any type of, uh, experience you can get like that it will go a long way. Um, but but just being visible and putting the work in and getting to the rink, I think, is really the most important thing. Well, we all need uh, a little hand along the way and a little guidance. And the best thing about it is now you're in a position to be able to kind of pay that forward and, and help out others. And, and I'm sure you do uh, whenever you get asked, Mike. Thank you so much for carving out some time for us. It was great to see you in the rink. Uh, I know it's going to be a, a busy one, but I'm sure our paths will cross one more time. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Dean, for having me. Taking a look at the junior schedule this week, the Spruce Grove Saints, home to Lloyd Minster tonight, and Okotoks on Friday. I will join Brandon Ewan Cheshin and Tyler Woke on the broadcast as a sideline host. Saturday, uh, the Saints are in Black Falls. As for the Seattle Thunderbirds, they actually get to play more than one game this week. A weird schedule. They faced Brandon last night, and their Alberta swing starts in Calgary on Friday, and then they are in Edmonton on Sunday. A lot of local players to the Edmonton area on the Seattle team. So the T-Birds will have a big Seattle contingent at the game at Rogers Place on Sunday. Speaking of Sunday, that's when the Challenge Cup, the first Challenge Cup, kicks off this season. We will speak with Tyrell Spitzer, the Vice President of Silent Eye Sports and Entertainment, right now as we get you set for a big event in youth hockey. 
Tyrell, great to have you uh, back on the program. Our first repeat guest, so you have that uh, a special honor. Uh, and, and the reason we wanted to bring you back is because there's a very special event going on this weekend. Tell us, what is the Challenge Cup? So the Challenge Cup, well, first off, thanks, Dean, for having me back. <laughs> Quick turnaround. Probably only at lunch. Um, <laughs> so the Challenge Cup, the, the, the purpose behind it was, um, you know, the, the HSL, um, due to their not being eligible for certain tournaments, um, you know, us and uh, other um, independent governing bodies decided to get together and say, hey, why don't we, you know, um, line some things up and, and create some competition amongst each other. So had a conversation with uh, the HPL, which is kind of like the HSL out of uh, BC. And we said, you know, what would be really cool is if you guys brought, you know, some of your top end teams and we brought our top end teams and we kind of meet somewhere uh, at a cool destination and, and have a bit of a tournament, find out, you know, where, where we're at. Like, uh, you know, they were pretty proud about their their teams and what they were doing with their development model. And we're obviously proud about ours. So we decided to um, have a, a pilot project uh, two years ago um, in Banff with uh, and as, as well as in Edmonton. Um, they sent some teams out and then we had a basically our top at that point it was a six team event so our top three teams and their top three teams were swinging away and uh it, it was unbelievable hockey um a really cool experience um it, it's it's uh you know allowed them to kind of see what we do um at, at different age groups you know for example our second year peewees that modified checking they've incorporated that in their league um, now we're on the same rule book. We're using uh, same officials. So when we do come together in these events, it's, uh, you know, everyone's kind of on the same page. Um, little different format for, for both of us because, you know, the BC games are a little bit different than how we run in Alberta. And this is kind of a meet in between for both of us. Um, but really, really cool experience. So it was basically a tournament um, that we put together amongst ourselves. And um, the name came from actually our president, Stephen Gerdson over when he played in Europe, uh, you know, professional hockey in Europe, uh, there was actually, actually in, in um, England, there would be what was called the Challenge Cup. It was actually considered to be uh, more celebrated than the season itself. So um, it was basically, there was select Challenge Cup games throughout the year, and then whoever accumulated the most points won. So we decided to kind of bring that back to, to um, what, you know, what we're doing here with um, the BC and the Alberta teams. I really like that. Uh, it's it's kind of neat. It it breaks up uh, the season a little bit. Uh, you know, Europe is famous for mid-season tournaments, and we've seen you know the NBA look at that. I I you know we're we're really slow in North America to adopt some things for, from Europe for for whatever reason, and and I don't know if it's just because we think we are way better. But I like that uh, North America is starting to adopt some of these things, and vice versa. I'm sure there's things that we have done uh, that Europe sports uh, have done that so um, what are the ages uh, specifically for for this weekend and for this uh, whole event I know we have uh, the JPHL that kind of takes over at u14 but uh, what are the kids uh, ages that we're looking at for these challenge cups events and you guys had the pilot project this has now expanded quite a bit hasn't it yeah so now uh, yeah so we the ages upcoming this weekend are the 2013 born and the 2014 born uh, birth years. So, you know, four teams from Alberta, four teams from BC are going to be clashing in Edmonton this upcoming weekend. So the, it's the first Challenge Cup of the year. 
so pretty pretty excited to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, it goes all the way from 2011 all the way down to 2016 uh, in terms of Challenge Cup competition. So, um, you know, it's 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 pretty exciting that the tournament in, in some age categories, you know, 2015 and 2016 specifically, uh, you know, this year there's going to be a teams of Quebec and teams out of Ontario, out of, uh, you know, the KSL uh, leagues over out Eastern Canada. Um, so we'll be able to kind of see where they're at in terms of competition wise. And um, it's really cool to kind of see this thing kind of expand. But um, it's it's something for us to experience, experience like just different competition. You know, we're we're across Alberta and even into Saskatchewan. And um, I mean, that's that's fun. But, you know, to kind of test yourself against some of these guys in, in other provinces, it's just a, you know, kind of a, a, a test point is really is really kind of neat. And. And for our leagues to kind of be able to interact like this, you know, we have teams going over to Quebec this year and Ontario uh, and BC, and there's teams coming into Alberta this year to compete. It's 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 something that didn't exist a couple of years ago. You know, pilot project just with BC. Let's you know see how this how this looks, how this works, and now two years later to see it be you know across four provinces with a lot of really good hockey players from across Canada, and uh, and even teams from the states. You know, Washington. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool to uh, it's pretty cool to see it grow. Yeah, I I think so, and and this is just more evidence that uh, you know independent hockey uh, can be just the same as any other league. You can have interprovincial matchups, you can have interleague matchups, and and another reason why um, you know independent hockey is growing. And I guess that's my kind of next question: Who is eligible? Uh, for a challenge cup how do teams uh, organizations get involved i know there's a divide right now between uh, you know where we are as far as independent hockey and and other uh, affiliations so who can play in a challenge cup and how do people get some information yeah so in terms of our our league selection um we have teams uh declare whether they want to enter you know the application process for the challenge cup um or not and then we basically select the the top the top teams based off of standings to represent our league so you know hpl is sending their their top four teams we're sending our top four teams um you know the the uh, ksl groups and the age groups that they're competing with they're sending their top teams so um there's a there's a declaration process that all of our coaches and managers have at the start of the year to, to say hey we you know should we be selected we're, we're willing to go um you know compete either internally in alberta or you know in other provinces and then from that you know it's just based off of you know um results and 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 i shouldn't say just just results no i'm I'm, I'm not talking about just wins and losses um there are you know situations where we have uh franchises that you know they have good hockey people involved you know team plays the right way um, it's a good representation of our league. Uh, so when we send teams, we're we're looking at you know just who's representing our league and who's going to be able to uh, compete at the level and and whatnot. So there's a bunch of different factors, but then we select the four, uh, and then we go ahead and we we send those either to BC or to other provinces, uh, or we have them represent us in our our own backyard. Um, we uh, these these events obviously you know. Um, our insurance, our league insurance covers our teams throughout the winter season. Uh, should teams outside of independent hockey want to participate, um, we do have insurance options that uh, has been made available through us from 
actually from the States, uh, where they can have Canadian or American teams come in and have full coverage, amazing coverage. Um, it's uh, whether or not the teams kind of outside of independent hockey, you know, choose to participate or not. But we would love to see some some outside teams, you know, potentially uh, come in and, and compete against our teams and, and try and break down those barriers. Like, I mean, these showcase events, we're, we're just trying to have, you know, awesome hockey experiences and opportunities for players and families. Uh, we're not we're not putting up any barricades on our end. So um, if there's teams that want to, to reach out, um, you know, they can they can uh, the easiest and the quickest way is info at Hockey Super League to, you know, kind of reach out for for more information. Um, there's also contact information on our website, challengecup.ca, um, that they can, you know, make an application process. We we have actually received um, some interest from from teams outside of independent hockey. And, uh, you know, we've we've talked to them about, you know, different options that they have if they if they should choose to attend. Um, but, yeah, we're welcoming teams open arms to come and experience what we're you know, what we're doing. Well, more information, as you mentioned, challengecup.ca, the website uh, on your screen, or uh, if you're just listening on the podcast form, you want to check it out, silenticetv.com. So obviously uh, the goal is to expand responsibly with the Challenge Cup, but how is the Challenge Cup different than some of the other events that you have, the Pacific Duel, the NORAM Cup that will be happening later in the season and the Winter Championship in the JPHL? Yeah, so the, the Challenge Cup is more of an invite. So teams declare at the start of the year if they want to, you know, get into the acceptance um, portion of uh, uh, being a part of the Challenge Cup. And then they have to check, a bo- uh, you know, a bunch of boxes off. And then, you know, we we select those teams to represent us in BC, Quebec, um, Ontario, and then represent us in our backyard in Alberta. Um, the Pacific Duel for, you know, the BC programs and even programs, you know, out east or from the States, um, the Pacific Duel is more open invitation. So whatever birth year we're operating in the Pacific Duel, I mean, if we're running a 12-team tournament, uh, first team, 12 teams that have their applications and rosters and everything in, uh, you know, we allow them that opportunity to participate in that tournament. Um, pilot project for that this year, uh, we're operating Pacific Duels from 2011 birth year all the way down to 2016 and I know BC's um, operating I think uh, two or three birth years this year for Pacific Duel so that's that's brand new for this year Um, but it's more just you know creating an opportunity and experience for those teams that may not have entry into the Challenge Cup Um, so yeah that's you know tournaments are new in the independent world like they're they're it's it's fairly new Um, all the way our leagues operate are showcase based so you know, to go get that travel and play four games in four days. That's part of our league. This is more to create um, different competition from, you know, outside competition. So, you know, you have a league schedule against, you know, um, eight to 12 different teams and you play them so many times throughout the year. Um, This is to, you know, kind of get outside competition um, for for some of our teams and just create those new experiences. I think you'll start to see um, Quebec and Ontario, they're starting to, to... talk about hosting showcases and tournament events and i know bc really wants to build out a a full event schedule and and create these opportunities and these these experiences for these players and and these families something that you know again didn't exist in independent hockey uh prior to two years ago that uh, is now coming in i think you're starting to see a lot of families say um you know this this uh independent hockey you know is kind of replacing 
um, you know, spring and summer. Now I have the ability to play different sports. I have the ability to go on a family vacation because I can cross over and find this competition during the winter season. I can, you know, play uh, high level hockey uh, during the winter season and, and, you know, pick the coaches and, and the teammates and, uh, you know, and have that type of experience during the winter season. So I think we're just trying to, you know, provide a pathway for that, for those families. Yeah, and, um, and when you talk have, about... have a life as well, Spitz. You, you you mentioned that is you know that's so important to be able to play hockey during the winter, but have a family life, have a friend life, maybe go on a ski trip, maybe go on a family vacation that sometimes isn't available to people because it's go 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 all the time. And I love the the scheduling aspect that you mentioned. Well, you know, f- families with multiple kids, um, you know, you, even 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 players like you know specializing at a young age it's it's you you're trying to find a healthy lifestyle you know and there's so much going on with mental health and you know the way things are headed that you it's important that you know you you have a little bit of structure you have a little bit of balance um you still need to get uh i think some things kind of taken care of uh, but is there a way to do it where you can still be able to do that and focus and specialize um but still have the ability and the time to you know have a you know a, a healthy family life and and uh healthy friends outside of the sport you choose and and whatnot i think that's so important so um you know being able to um deliver on some of those experiences during their winter season you know does that open them up where they don't feel like they need to do maybe the extra spring tournament or summer tournament and cut into maybe something else that they were looking at doing because they didn't have access to that during the winter so it's our responsibility as um, you know, governing bodies to provide those experiences for our athletes and our families. Um, when you talk about the Winter Championships and the JPHL, uh, that's that's that mid-season tournament. You're kind of talking about very European feel. Um, that halfway checkpoint, um, you know, it's you, you get a it's a bit of a, a sprint at, out of the gates. You know, everybody's working with their groups and teams are getting together and coaches are. Uh, starting to get familiar with, you know, with the identity of their teams. Um, and then there's a bit of a, a touch point of, you know, some some elimination play, which I think is important. Um, you know, when you go into these competition weekends, it's development-based. You know, everyone's kind of getting thrown in every situation and, and whatnot, and we want to promote that. We don't want to promote, you know, win at all costs. Right. Um, but it's important that they get exposed to what that could look like, and I think that's important to get exposed to mid-year to say, okay, well, now we're throwing you in a situation where, um, you know, you're you're getting eliminated in the quarterfinals or semifinals and you're fighting for a seating position to get into, you know, where you want to get into. And, you know, by that time, is is there some some guys who've maybe earned the opportunity to get the extra minutes on, on a special team play or or whatnot and, and challenge the coaches and challenge the teams to perform on demand? Um, I think that's important. And we also put something on that too. You know, if you win the winter championships, it's not just that, you know, Hey, here's a trophy, um, that affects, you know, the potential playoff, uh, outcomes as well, where, you know, you could be a fourth, fifth place team that, you know, overachieves in a weekend, uh, or we could play and don't get me wrong, you'd have to earn it. Uh, but now you might've earned home ice advantage, uh, throughout your playoff series, which is, which is nice. So we really do put something on it. Um, but it is something where we want to challenge our coaches. We want to challenge our players. Uh, we want to pull them from a development competition situation into performance on demand situation, which I think is important. Um, so that's exciting. And, um, and also, 
you know, we, we're, as you know, Dean, we're having some fun with some of the game format there as well. You know, as you know, just touching base on our overtime, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're going from the traditional seasonal three on three, five minute, three on three and, and shoot, you know, three man shootout and then sudden death shootout to um, a five on five, four on four, three on three, two on two, one on one format. Um, so again, new challenges for our coaches, new strategies would come into play. Um, you might, you know, might see new face-offs play in a, in a two-on-two scenario, uh, or whatever, but we want to make sure that our guys are getting lots of different, um, you know, things thrown at them to make sure that, you know, they're understanding different situations that they could be in, um, and challenging them. I think that's a lot of fun for, for everybody as well. And then the Noram Cup, new, brand new to this year, um, pre- pretty excited about it, um. It's just through our relationships of setting up these these winter tournaments and whatnot. Um, what we the one thing that people have talked about is kind of that high performance stream kind of beyond the year. So everyone's developing, and uh, you know having these experiences. Um, we don't necessarily have have like a high performance stream, uh, you know, built in beyond our our winter season, uh, where it gets these players used to that high performance that that can come in these months down the road. So when we spoke with, you know, the different uh, bodies out of BC and Quebec and Ontario, um, we talked a little bit about, you know, doing a, a high performance tournament uh, at the end of all of our seasons. And that team would be kind of a selected team. We would select staffs that we trust to select, uh, you know, go through selection process and make sure that, you know, they're picking players uh, out of our individual provinces to represent us. So what we've done is we've we kind of built that out and through our network and it's amazing the network that some of these guys have. Um, we've decided to split the um, the states into four zones, and then have our four zones from um, Canada kind of clash. So we have four teams from Canada and four teams from the states. Um, you know, a, per, you know, a, a part of a, a kind of a high performance eight team tournament that we call the Noram Cup. You know, short for North American. And uh, it's going to be a, a a really fun challenge because um, it's the first it's the first time we're doing it. Um, but the people that are involved are unbelievable people. Their programs are you know exceptional programs, and I'm very excited to see the teams that are constructed and built and and competing at that tournament uh, uh, in May. So excited for that. Love it. Uh, border battle, uh, Canada, U.S. Uh, with the young ages and, of course, the Challenge Cups. All of those Sundays uh, finales on Silent Ice TV, including this Sunday. Really excited about that, Spitz. Thanks so much for joining us. Lots going on, and we'll uh, we'll get you back on for a third time uh, when we have even more stuff uh, to announce. But thanks so much for giving us some time today. It was a great weekend that we just had, and uh, get some rest before the Challenge Cup. Thanks, Dean. Talk to you then. And you can get all of the details at www.challengecup.ca and you can watch 10 HSL HPL games this weekend of Challenge Cup action on Sunday at silenticetv.com, your exclusive home for the HSL and the JPHL as well as Game Changers. As we head into our next guest, let's check out some of the best action from this past weekend and the first full showcase this year in the JPHL. It took place at the Silent Ice Center's Hatch and Hesco Arenas, as well as the Morinville Ice Gardens. Enjoy this recap. 
Bartolotto in tight. And the great poke check from McEachern. Oh, the rebound is there, and oh my goodness, what a stop with a paddle. Are you kidding me? He slapped that around and knocked it out of the air. I gotta see that about 12 more times. That was incredible. If you had, as Pugh will pick that one up, and he's got such a cage hang there. Pugh moving down the right side. Takes a shot and he scores! What a shot by Liam Pugh! As he buries that one, gets his hat trick and makes it seven to six with 1.14 left to go in the second. What a shot by Liam Pugh. The projected high first round pick in the 2025 WHL Bantam Draft. So loud, yo. Mike Dobson with me. In what other league do we get to interview a linesman in the middle of the game? But let's talk about the league in the JPHL and the development that you guys get. Just like the athletes, just like the broadcasters. We're all trying to drive people to the next level. For you as a ref and a linesman, how much development do you get week in and week out? We get uh, video clips every week. We get supervisors. We get guys that have lots of experience. We got Mike Civic and we got Scott Fulmer. They're in the rink right now. They're looking at us and telling us what we need to do, what we need to do better, and what we're doing that's right. And the big thing is telling us what we're doing right. Number 17, Maximus Sheffer. Let it go, you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better lose yourself in the music, the moment you own it. Players are excited as they smash the boards. Down the ice with Dominic Hall. Road trips for teams. And you guys from a far distance, obviously. A long bus ride to get here. How critical and how much fun is the bonding time for you guys on these road trips? Oh, it's great. Making good memories and just loving the moments. Over the blue line. And it's catching up. Spring brings it out and he Some frequent flyer miles going coast to coast and tucking it in past the goaltender. And that is a celebration that this team has been waiting for. Sam Spring, the overtime winner, the first ever win in Kootenai Hockey Academy history. Walk us through the moment, what you're feeling right now. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, all, all the boys have just been digging it all, all seven games we've played so far. We just wanted that one so bad. It just feels amazing to get it done. Sam, congratulations, appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Sam Spring, the overtime hero, the first ever win in Kootenai Hockey Academy history, and what a better place to do it than right here at Silent Ice Center. Here comes Fisher on a break. Fisher moving down the right wing. Fisher shooting in that one. He scores, what a snipe by Trip Fisher. And banking for a shorty as he scores that one with 22 seconds left on the Langley power play. Here with Trip Fisher, and you sniped it, posted in. One of our social media guys, Andy, said that might be one of the best celebrations we've seen yet with the nice little hair flip. What was going through your mind when you sallied? I don't know, I was kind of thinking back to Aiden Harmon in the finals last year. He did that, and I was like, I'm I'll do it. <laughs> I love the honesty. Here he gets it in behind the net now. Banks it off the net to himself, and out front to Kim. Oh, wow. Talk about your highlight reel goal with WHL scouts in attendance. Evan Kim with the hat trick goal. 
And the super feed from Grady Veery. The bank off the net, spinning around, sending in front to Kim, and the snipe shot. Curtis, thanks so much for joining us here on Game Changers. Uh, I, I imagine the the Fraser family was like most Canadian hockey families, and it lived at the rink growing up. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, you and your cousins probably had some great games growing up. Uh, was that pretty much the case for you guys? Yeah, you know, we're like any typical family um, from BC and, you know, small town. You know, our family kind of moved across the country, my dad's family, but... Uh, we ended up in, uh, they ended up in Sycamore, uh, BC and, um, yeah, that's kind of where it all started. I'm in the middle of, uh, Colin and, and Paul, which is my uncle Johnny's son, Colin won some cups there with Chicago and, you know, um, you know, I have some family back East too. And then I have the, you know, other side of the family, which is, uh, Schaefer's out of, uh, Spruce Grove. Um, obviously we're related as well. Um, Jeremy Schaefer married a Fraser. So it's, uh, it's starting to change last names now too, but, uh, you know, at the same time, it's, uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot of hockey going on in our family. Uh, and that continued, uh, after you, you know, played through uh, minor hockey into the BCHL, you played on the Island and then you played in Alaska uh, for four years of, uh, NCAA. So a little bit, uh, remote locations, Alaska and on the Island, but tell me about the experiences of playing for Victoria and then playing in the NCAA in Alaska. Yeah. You know, uh, I kind of had a, you know, kind of a weird BCHL career, you know, which I kind of like to share with the players all the time is, you know, you know, there's so many, there's so many things in your game. Like I came into the BC hockey league as a, as a uh, 17 year old ready to go, had a great season. And then after that, I got a little too big for my britches and 18 and 19, I, I couldn't really figure it out. I was looking at a result instead of focusing on the process to the result, you know, and, when I, in my last year of junior, um, I just worried about the process and let the, you know, kind of the results lie. And that's when everything kind of happened for me. Um, yeah, Alaska Fairbanks did a pretty good job. They, they got me in the first 10 games. They said, uh, they gave me 24 hours to decide. So I had a really good hot start and then they came in first. So I hadn't talked to anyone yet. And they said, uh, yeah, we'll give you a full ride. Um, but you have 24 hours to decide. And, you know, in my last year of junior, I wasn't sure if I should roll the dice. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, which we can talk about later is, you know, sometimes it's better to go to a smaller school because, you know, I played right away. So instead of going to, you know, a bigger school like Michigan or North Dakota, which I could have, I led the league in scoring that year. Um, I could have ended up at a place like that, but, I wouldn't play for two years. It'd be pretty tough because, you know, they have all those NHL draft picks and, and things like that. So from a, from a playing standpoint, Alaska was great. Cause you know, as a freshman, I you know second line center as a freshman and 
I think I had 12 goals that year, which is, you know, as a freshman, that's pretty good. And it's only a result of me playing, playing hockey, right, right away. I wasn't on the fourth line. I wasn't in the stands and, you know, and so, I mean, I look back at it and I wouldn't have changed it. For sure. So now uh, you take some of that coaching and you implement it in the JPHL. What do you like about uh, the Junior Prospects Hockey League, the HSL, um, I guess the, the independent model, but more specifically these leagues that you're involved with as you're the head coach of the Langley U15 team? We'll get to that team specifically in a second, but what, what do you like about this model? Uh, I think they took a different viewpoint on it. Um, you know, when I look at, when I look at, you know, kind of like my coaching and when I started and, and why I got into it, um, you know, I was, I wasn't really going to go into hockey, like after hockey, I, I went into oil and gas right away. Um, and I was doing that for a couple of years and I just hated my life. Like I just, I couldn't do it. I worked every day. I remember one summer, every day, the whole summer. And I didn't have a, you know, my family was starting to pay for it. I wasn't seeing my kids. And you got to remember, like when you have, when you have kids in a family and you're playing hockey, like you get to see them all the time. Like I'm, I'm there all the time. Like I'm, you know, I go to the rink at eight, I'm back by one and I go, you know, we'll go downtown with my family, my wife, my kids. And, you know, you're just present a lot. Um, and you know, and, and you make more money and I get into oil and gas, I make less money and I'm never home. You know, it was really hard pill to swallow. Um, and so when I got into coaching, I kind of wanted to do, you know, everything, everything my way and, and the way I wanted it to be done. And I remember it started in HSL and, um, I actually, it wasn't my idea. A group of parents came to me, the group of sevens came to me and they said, you know, we don't want to, you know, we can't make zone because we're first year players. So it's really rare. We're going to do that. We don't want to go back to minor hockey um, with a volunteer kind of coach, no offense to volunteers um, there. They make the minor hockey model tick, um, but they didn't want to do that. And they wanted me to do it. And I was pretty hesitant to do it because, you know, I was watching the other Academy models and it was just kind of based around winning. And I was just like, okay, well, I don't feel good about that. So then Jason Pugh, who runs um, the Langley Hockey Academy for me, um, the day-to-day -day stuff and, you know, all the, you know, the back-end stuff, he helps me with that. And he uh, he said, well, how would you do it? And I'm like, well, I'd have, a, you know, a power skating session. I'd have a skill session. And then I would have two team practices if there's four skates a week. And he's like, okay, we'll just do that then. And I'm like, okay, let's, that's, let's do that. Let's do that then. And, and we did it. And it had just a tremendous amount of success. The kids got so much better. We put development first, uh, winning second. And we actually, you know, we were winning in the process because we were putting development first, which is, you know, people forget about, but you know, that's the mindset that, that we had with this HL, HSL thing. And then after that, the JPHL, basically came and they said, we're going to create this new model, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it was a model where we actually got a say in it, you know, like they, it's more like a family, like we're all, we're all a big team and I run Langley, but I'm also a team. My teammate is also, you know, Clay, Clay Stoner, who I, you know, played against in the American league, a whole bunch. He's in Victoria and we work together. We're not against each other. 
we work together. Right. And, and I think, I think that's where the JPHL had me and, 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 you know, even my coaching staff that I have assembled you know, I'm pretty proud of that. You know, I'm pretty proud of the guys I have working inside of our Academy and, and they have that same mindset also, right. Where development is, is paramount. And if we win in the process, great. Um, but the funny part is, is when you put development first, generally speaking, you win anyway. So, I mean, I think we're in a good spot here and I think that's what kind of drew me to the JPHL at the start. You know, it's, it's so funny when, when coaches coach for the players, instead of coaching for them to get to the next level by piling up wins, uh, you see that development and the team gets better. It's no different than trying to get the message across to an offensive player that offense starts with defense and, you know, you can turn the puck over, but sometimes people have a hard time seeing the forest or the trees when it comes to trying to get to that next level. Um, and with this Langley, uh, U15 team, um, when you talk about development and skill, you have a pretty special player on that team. I like to say it's uh, Liam Pugh's world. We're all just living in it right now because he is uh, so fun to watch. Uh, he's got size. He's got speed. What is it like to coach this guy? A lot of people are talking about his name for the 2025 WHL draft because he's still uh, an underage. But what's it like to coach a, a player that has that much skill and leads by example? Yeah, you know, that's pretty funny. I've had Pew since he was five, and I was talking about it the other day. Um, I kind of said to him, like, why do you think why do you think we work? And he doesn't know, right? He's just a kid. He's pretty young, and, you know, he, you know people kind of forget how young he is, right? And yeah. uh, I think – go ahead. No, it's true. It, pe people don't realize that he's not eligible until 2025. Yeah, and I mean, you forget that he's a year younger in his mind. He's a year younger in his body, right? He's, you know, he's he's not the same age as the rest of the kids. Now, he's a really mature kid, but he's still younger, right? And I think the reason why we work and why it's, you know, it's been so good is I treat him like everybody else. You know, I don't, I don't talk about him and it's no offense to everybody else. I just, I don't do that with him. You know, I, I don't, I treat him like if you miss a back check, I'm really like, I'm hard on him. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think with sometimes when you get a player like that, they almost like let him do whatever he wants. And, and we don't, we don't do that here. He's just another player. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think he appreciates that because, you know, a, a player like that, that can, you can get away with murder really on, on the ice. Right. But you can't cheat the game. And we're, we're trying to build a, uh, you know, an, an 18 year old, a 17 year old. We're not trying to build a, a 15 year old here. We're trying to build a, you know, an NHL prospect. So, I mean, he's pretty fun to watch and, you know, you can see it when he scores, I'll just stand there with my arms crossed, like no big deal because, you know, at the end of the day, like, he's just another player on our team and, and uh, he's, yes, he's special and yes, he's all those things, but you know, I don't really play into that with him. And that, I know that might sound like, I don't know what that would sound like harsh or, or someone might say like, well, you know, why don't you tell him once in a while? It's just like, you just try to keep him grounded and, and try to build a man because you know, the kid is, there's a lot of pressure on him. There's a lot of eyes on him and, you know, and you got to find a way to, you know, playing under that kind of microscope is tough 
on a kid, right? And I don't know if I could have done it personally, you know, maybe it could have got to me, but he's got to find ways in the process to, to lock that stuff up. And how do you do that? Play for somebody else, play for your teammates, right? Lock that pressure out, work as hard as you possibly can every single day, right? And, and the moment he stops doing that, it's the moment he's going to get caught, right? It's like, I would say it's, it's harder to be number one than it is to be number two, mm-hmm. right? Because no one, there's no one chasing him. So, so every, sorry, everyone's chasing him and he's not chasing anybody. So how are we going to do that? Well, we got to create it within, we got to create it here on our team. And we have to make sure that, you know, he, he doesn't feel like he, you know, he's not chasing anyone I created. So he's chasing everybody, you know, and I, and I think that's why he's continuing to develop and, continuing to be the player the player he is but from our side he's just another player on our team well and you know for a lot of people he's you know and a lot of players like that they get told over and over how how good they are and and they will get a lot of special treatment down the road so they probably prefer it right now they could just be a teammate and let's remember these are young kids and in his case uh an even younger kid so i I think that's the right situation there's going to be so many people handling these kids with kids gloves as they get older they just want to be treated uh like a kid and kids just want to play hockey uh, no matter where it is unfortunately if you play in independent hockey right now um threats of suspensions are happening and uh, uh, you're not allowed to play in international events uh, you are very familiar with all of this the bchl has gone independent uh, the jphl is independent what do you make of um i say it's kind of funny to hear the word inclusivity being used when people are not being allowed to play due to suspensions what are your thoughts on all of this independent versus uh, I guess they call it sanctioned hockey. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's a pretty loaded question, and I could talk sure. about it for hours. I've been, I've been kind of fighting the fight for a long time now. I, sometimes I feel like the antichrist of hockey, depending on who I'm talking to, you know. But at least I'm at home in the in our community in the JPHL and the HPL and things like that. And you know, I always I always joke because like. You know, we didn't make up this idea to be go against the grain like that. That was never it. You know, like, oh, yeah, I don't like this. So I'm going to go do this. It was never about that. It's like there, things happen because there's a need. That's why. So I was in minor hockey and and the parents come to you. It wasn't my great idea that I'm going to go do this and it's going to be awesome. It's because they were missing the, the mark with the top kids. So the top kids wanted something more and, you know, four of us got together and we delivered that, that model, right? It's, a, it's the same thing with the JPHL. It's nothing against Hockey Canada, nothing against BC Hockey, nothing against those, those places, right? It's the, it's the fact that there's a, someone's missing the mark and we're creating a service that people want to pay for, right? And you look at, you know, I look at Academy you know, right now, nothing against Academy, but it costs $25,000. And I'm just estimating um, some is more, some is a little bit less, but that's basically where it is. I have three boys. How am I going to do that? How am I actually going to do that? $75,000 a year. Like that's like hemorrhaging my retirement. So I, there's a need for me personally, not even take away Langley Hockey Academy, take away the JPHL, take away all those things. Like, I have to live a life and, and I, I don't want to work my whole life. 
So at some point I'm going to have to retire. How am I going to do that when I'm shelling out, you know, four years at $25,000 a year? It's a hundred grand per kid. That's $300,000. And I'm 41 years old at, at 65. That's a lot of money. So how, how would I actually do that? I, I wish I made more, I guess, or I had, uh, or I played in the NHL for longer and I wouldn't feel that kind of price tag, but it's not the case, right? You know, I pay for my kid to play in this league, right? And, and you know, I do the best job I can, not for my kid, but for all the kids, but my kid plays in the JPHL and I pay. And, you know, there's no deals to be had um, in academy either. So, I mean, at the end of the day, there's always a need and yeah. Okay. You could say that we are going against the grain and call us unsanctioned calls, whatever you want, but you know, why can't we, why can't we all play in the same sandbox? Why can't we be sanctioned? Why, why, what's that word even mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right, like sanction sounds like something that international uh, entities uh, put on different countries and stuff. And it, it, it you know, the, the, the term outlaw league is just so ridiculous. I mean, it's just somebody doing something different than the governing body because they are, are, are you know, not happy with the existing system. Yeah, and, and we don't have a problem with them. They have a problem with us. Right. Right, like I'm not mad at them. We're just, you know, it's like it's like if you, if you own a, you know, a clothing store and I open one up next door, is that, am I unsanctioned now? because I want to compete against you. You know, like I think competition breeds success, right? Like makes you better. Say what you want. Like we made the CSHL better. We made minor hockey better because why? They start making changes because, you know, we go to the HPL and then, you know, minor hockey would go, well, okay, let's do this then. Great. That's better for the kids. Awesome. Like why? I'm not mad about it. Why are you mad about it? Same thing with JPHL. Like, the CSHL has been got better because we're here, mm-hmm. right? We get better because they're there. Like everything gets better. And who's it, who ultimately benefits from that? The kids, the yeah. kids benefit from us being better at our job, us being better at our development model. You know, like that's what us being better at, you know, at logistics and, you know, and, and making sure that the product, the, you know, the customer, the parent, you know, is happy with their development model, happy with the, you know, the coaching that their kids getting happy with all those things, right? Like I'm not mad about it. I'm ready to compete, but why are they mad about it? I don't know. Your, uh, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's the kids ultimately who, uh, end up getting punished for this. Um, um, you know, the, the challenge cup, the first challenge cup is coming this weekend. I just had uh, Tyrell Spitzer on the show talking about it, that, Hey, any teams can come in from from our point of view. It's the other point of view. And it's the same thing that, you know, if you coach in the HSL or the JPHL and now some coaches aren't allowed to coach in minor uh, systems and, and who loses out? It's the kids because the person that wanted to coach isn't allowed to and now there there might not be a coach. And it's a, it's a cycle that if, if, if people don't get out of the way of making this, you're going to keep continue to drive kids uh, out of hockey, unfortunately. And that's why the BCHL made their move uh, to go independent. And from what I've heard, Curtis, the BCHL this year is really fun to watch. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the BCHL and the caliber of hockey in that league this year? 
Yeah, you know, I'm kind of new to the to the junior game. Um, in a sense, I have a lot of good people around me, and you know, and watching. And I would say that the the level across the league just went like that. It just jumped, right? And it was it was crazy to look at like last year to this year. Also, not to mention the parity that was created in the league. Like, if you start looking at like the standing and stuff, like teams that were say somewhere in the bottom of the BCHL, they're not in the bottom anymore. Like they're just as good as we are. We're just as good as, you know, somebody else. Like we had a, we, we had a tough weekend this last weekend, but we were playing Victoria. They're a really good team. They were seven and two and we're within a goal, right? And we're three and six. You start looking at the parity, like the league is top notch now. And, you know, players are coming from, you know, the U S and, they're coming from other places in Canada. They're coming from the AJ. They're coming from the SJ, the MJ, things like that. And I mean, I think we've really, we've really hit it out of the park here. Um, at the same time, I don't know why we're a outlaw league or unsanctioned. I don't understand. Um, I'll never understand, I guess. Um, but it just goes back to what we were talking about before. Like we're not mad. <laughs> we're not mad. They're mad. We're just trying to do the best job we can and put the best players on the ice and, and have the best league and that we can. And, you know, at the same time, it just always flips around that, you know, here they're so upset and, you know, and, and we're just doing our thing, you know, and we're not, I mean, obviously we'd love a dance partner. Like, I mean, being sanctioned or unsanctioned, why can't we all just play like USA hockey? You could go to, I could move to like, you know, Detroit tomorrow and start up my own hockey program and it would be sanctioned. Mm-hmm. They don't kick me. They don't kick us out. Right. As long as I'm doing the, I have the right insurance and I follow the rules. Like why can't, why can't we play a CSHL team? Why not? It's just hockey. We all have insurance. It's the same. Yeah. The refs, right. Get some good refs that are qualified. That's fine. We have qualified refs too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we so, we have many refs that ref in the BCHL, which is uh, the top junior league, junior A league in Canada. So it's competition. Yeah. That that's what it comes down to. And um, the reason this sport exists is so we have competition. That's why we play hockey. It's a competitive sport. And if you're, I I don't want to use the word term afraid, but if you don't want competition off the ice. Why do we have competition on the ice? It just seems so backwards right now. Um, and and like you said, our doors are open. The JPHL doors are open. Um, you know, the group that we have, it's all working together. And hopefully we can all get together on the same rink sometime and, and all play in the same rink at the same time against each other again. So that's the goal. I know we're working towards it. And if the adults can get out of the way, maybe the kids can play, Curtis. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. You know, and I look forward to those days. And, you know, I, I think eventually I think they, sh- they should come. Um, other than that, I mean, the positive is, is we make them better, right? They're recruiting already for next year. And, you know, and they're, they're, they're boning up on their workouts. They're getting more ice. They're doing all these things. And it's because of us. And the kids that are over there ultimately benefit from us being here. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm proud to say that I'm proud to say that, like, I feel good for the kids over there too. It's like, I'm not against someone that chooses the CSHL. Good luck. Have fun. Like, that's awesome. It must be a great program and it must, must be a great fit for your, for your family. I don't sit here and slag them. 
right, and say it's a bad model. They have good coaches over there too, and I'm and that's great, right? So pick your poison and pick the, the you know the coach and the program that's going to make your your uh, son or daughter the best that they can be. And how can I be mad about that? Yeah, and, and whatever they're going to enjoy the most. If they want to go over here and play with their kids, if they want to move across uh, the province or the country to play with their cousin or something, why do we have to stop that? Why do families, entire families, have to move? So we, we have to remember that this is a sport and who it's for at this level. Obviously, we're talking different things at the next level. And, and we could do this uh, for hours, and, and I'm sure we'll get you back on again, Curtis. But thanks so much for uh, some time, some insight into uh, your background and what's going on with uh, Langley U15. I really enjoyed watching you guys this weekend, and we'll see you at a rink very soon. Thanks so much. Can't wait. Lots of stuff uh, from Curtis Frazier at SilentIceTV.com that unfortunately we just didn't have time to fit in uh, to the interview. So check it out under Game Changers at SilentIceTV.com. That is your home for the JPHL, the HSL, and special events like the Winter Championship, the Challenge Cup, and more. You can watch live games or catch up on what you missed, plus Game Changers and more great content produced by for vengeance media that is going to wrap things up for us on the show today uh, big thanks uh, to our guest list today uh, consisting of curtis fraser the head coach for langley hockey academy u15 and uh, 334 professional games in the ahl echl and in europe mike fraser the assistant gm for the everett silver tips and tyrell spitzer the vice president of silent ice sports and entertainment Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the program uh, and for uh, checking out any of the JPHL action that you did over the weekend in our full showcase. Our next JPHL action, October 26th to 29th in Edmonton at the Silent Ice Centre and in Delta, BC on the same weekend at Planet Ice. And of course, we will have Challenge Cup action for you this weekend as well as action out in Morinville with the Morinville Jets of the Capital B Junior Hockey League. You can find all of that on Silent Ice TV. Until then time always, until next time, pardon me, always double pad stack when you can and I will see you in the rink. Thanks very much for joining us. See you later.